Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Church, how many know we fight battles? Raise your hand if you know that. We all fight battles. I had a funeral on Friday. Bud Nagel, one of our longtime faithful members, I said in his, the sermon of his funeral, I said, you know, life is like a battle. There's days that our life feels like a battle. We get knocked down physically, spiritually, you name it, but God always picks us up. Listen, we fight battles, right? But the deal is our God is almighty. Our God gives us the strength. That's what we're gonna talk about today. So let's, let's turn to the word. I'm gonna have you be seated. And uh, I'm gonna share a lot of scripture today. So I hope if you got smartphone, iPad, your Bible, whatever it is, uh, I just want you to make sure you're turning with me. We're gonna do a lot of learning today um, about the supernatural. We're excited for this new series and uh, we're looking forward to teaching on it in the weeks to come. And I just wanna say this, we welcome you here today. We're glad you're here. Uh, you're watching online. We're thrilled that you're joining us today on GT Live. Uh, man, let's give it up for Kutztown. This is an exciting day. Man, we are stoked for Kutztown. Uh, today, they are officially going with two services, nine and 11, and uh, we're, we're thrilled. I mean, we need to be praying for them. Thank God for Pastor Eric's leadership out there and uh, the way that church is impacting northern Berks County. And here's the challenge I wanna give to all of us. Uh, I want to invite you to stop by the Invest and Invite table. We've got these invite cards for Supernatural at Kutztown here at West Lawn. Can we make the commitment this week that we're going to pray and say, God, direct me. I don't care what conversation it comes. It may be somebody that serves us, somebody in our family. But can we make a commitment this week that we're going to invite someone to the house of God this week? I'd love to do that. It could sound, you come to the 11 o'clock service, invite them to 11 o'clock. You come to nine, whatever service you come to, Kutztown, West Lawn. But let's make sure we invite someone uh, to come with us to church. And uh, we're looking forward to this series. I'm gonna jump right in. Uh, so turn with me this morning in your Bible to Ephesians chapter six. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. You may be using NIV or another version, so there may be some differences, but you can look at the screen and uh, we want to dive right in today on this series, and it's going to be a, a great teaching time for us. And so let's turn. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 10. A final word. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church. He says in verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Now, how many know that the devil has strategies? How many know that the devil is real? I always say this at GT. I've said it for 30 years. People say, ah, oh, well, the devil, that's just, come, that's just kind of, that's made up, that's whatever. No, the devil is not some person in footy pajamas with a little pitchfork just trying to make you a little miserable. The Bible says he is a roaring lion. The Bible says he is a real entity that has fought against God and he's fighting against us. And not only does he fight against us, but he's got strategies, all right? So this is what the word says. Look at verse 12, and I'll say to you, this is the key verse. Selena referenced it here, Kutztown. I know probably Eric gave the same talk there. But verse 12, look at this. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I'm going to read that again, Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities, look at this, of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That is a powerful verse. That's a verse that a lot of young Christians, maybe you're new in the faith, maybe you're not aware of this, but that's a powerful verse. There's an unseen world that we battle. As there, there's a supernatural part of this world, all right? And as a Christian, you've got the spirit of God living in you, but there are spiritual forces working against you and against me and against us and against the church, all right? And that's why, the, that's why Paul says, the enemy that we fight isn't flesh and blood. It's not the person three cubicles down from you. It's not that person that doesn't like you. It's not the person that doesn't go the minute the light doesn't turn green. I'm mean, you know what I'm talking about. Our enemies are bigger than that. It's in the unseen world. Look at verse 13. This is where we tend to focus when we come to Ephesians 6. Paul says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So God is saying there's a spiritual battle. There's forces of evil against us, but you better make sure you put on the armor of God because you're going to have to stand against it. So it's not just like, well, that's for somebody. Listen, this message today is for everybody that's hearing my voice. You're watching online, this is for you. K-Town and Northern Berks, it's for you. West Lawn, it's for every one of us. There is a battle that we're fighting, and Paul says, you better put on the armor. Verse 14, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. And the body armor, some versions say the breastplate of righteousness, Verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Listen, there's gonna be a battle. That's not even a question. The question is, are you prepared for the battle? Are you equipped for the battle? Do you have God's armor on in the battle? Verse 16, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to, put, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So that armor, you know, it's not physical armor. It's the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God. It's the, it's the presentation of the gospel. It's righteousness. That's our armor. Verse 18, Paul says, Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And here's my bottom line, right out of Ephesians 6. The forces of darkness are real, but defeated. The forces of darkness are real, but they've been defeated. And I'm going to say that a few times today because that's, I want you to walk out of here knowing today that spiritual forces are real. Here's the question. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever had an encounter with a demonic force? And if you have, how do you know that that was demonic? How do you know that? In my years of ministry, I have had encounters with spiritual, supernatural, demonic forces. Uh, if 
you've ever been on a global team and you get out of this country, uh, you see it. I've been to Africa over a dozen times and nearly, I'm not going to say every time, but nearly every time I've been to Africa and I've been preaching there, I've had encounters with the demonic forces. I, I was preaching one time in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, a uh, large church, and I'll tell you right now, if you serve in that church in Addis Ababa and you're one of the ushers, you help collect the offering, you also need to be able to lead people to Jesus and you need to be able to cast out demons because it happens every week. I was up there preaching, I gave the altar call, and you feel the Spirit of God flowing through that whole church, but then what you also feel is the demonic. You see people contorting, you see them falling on the ground, and those ushers that collected the offering that are praying for people to receive Jesus, they go over and they lay hands on those people and they cast out those devils. Almost every time I've been there. You say, well, what about here? They're here too. It's the unseen world everywhere. I've seen him in GT over the years. We've seen the demonic over the years at GT. I saw a lady contorting. I, it was around this time of year. It was years ago. She, her boyfriend was a, the head of a coven of a group of witches in Morgantown, and she came to the church, and I was up at the altar. We were in Next Gen. I'm just praying for people. She just looked like an ordinary, average, everyday mom. I said, how can I pray for you? She said, I, I don't want that. She said, I'm here to curse you. And in my sarcasm gift, I said, well, you know, that's not going to work because the one I serve is more powerful than the one you're serving. And I said, if you were wise, you'd let me pray for you. There were three people that came with her to make sure that she put this curse on me. And when I went to pray for her, she bolted out of the building. It's a long story. She came back. We prayed for her. There was this demonic force of suicide upon her. There were voices we heard. We prayed. So I've seen it everywhere. And then there's all kinds of stuff. Like many times we say it's demonic and it's not. Uh, my first year as a lead pastor, first year. So Pastor Swank had transitioned. I'm leading the church and I get this phone call. And the lady says, uh, Pastor, she says, I live down in Birdsboro. And she said, I'm really concerned. My son is demon possessed. And I said, well, okay, time out. All right. How do you know that? She said, well, a TV minister, I talked to their ministry, and they said for sure that he is. And I said, all right, did they ever meet your son? No, but they told me that he was demon-possessed. She said, will you pray for him? I said, absolutely. So I went down to the house. I said, how else do you know? And I, I got down there, and, and she said, well, she goes, his eyes look weird sometimes. There's like a, a weird odor around him, and I just know that he is. And I said, okay. I said, well, where's your son? She goes, he's up in his room. And so she leads me up the stairs. He wouldn't let his mother in. And he was very, very disrespectful and arrogant to his mother. And as I'm going up the stairs, I recognize the weird odor. <laughs> and the weird odor does stuff to your eyes. I knew that. And I think you know where I'm going. It wasn't the demonic. It was marijuana. And I said to her, I said, dear, listen, I want to tell you something. And, I'm, and I mean this sincerely. I said, the good news is your son's not demon-possessed. The bad news, he's hooked on marijuana. The bad news is he needs Jesus. And the good news is when he received it. He did not receive it. I tried to talk to him. He wasn't open at all. Here's the deal, church. You can't cast out the flesh. You have to, the Bible says, crucify your flesh. You cast out demons. So I couldn't have casted any demonic thing out of him. He needed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't cast out the flesh. You've got to crucify the flesh. I mean, you think about Hollywood. 
You think about all the stories and movies and new shows, and, you know, I'm not a big TV watcher when I do tune it in at sports or whatever, but there's all kinds of stuff in the movies, these new networks, you know, things called like medium, people that hear voices and she can see what others can't, the ghost whispers, you know, girls that... Guys, talk to these people that have crossed over to the other side. You've got the, you know, I remember as a kid, I remember the exorcist, all right? I didn't know God. I went to see the exorcist. I was, you know, head turning around, spitting out all that stuff. Yeah. Those things happen. But Hollywood just kind of makes a, a demonstration of it. They've got now the exorcism of Emily Rose, the Amityville horror. Even for kids, they've got aliens and, you know, people talking through their moms. I want to tell you right now, spiritual forces are real, but they're defeated. That's what we need to remember. In fact, that's my first point. Spiritual forces are real. There's this fascination today in our world with the supernatural. You know, sometimes you say, well, you know, I don't want to invite anybody to GT. You talk about investing, inviting. I'm going to invite my friend, and I know it's going to happen. They're going to come. They're going to hear someone speaking in tongues, and they're going to see whatever. Can I tell you right now, your unsaved neighbor is not turned off by the supernatural. They're drawn to it. But it tend, tends to be always toward the evil side. We need to introduce them to Jesus Christ. We need to introduce them to the grace of God. Yes, we live in a supernatural world, but we serve a God that is almighty. Most people, I think, in their hearts, they really don't want to believe that there's demonic forces. And you know, in America, we don't see it as often in the way that we do in other countries of the world. But I guarantee you, it's here. It's the unseen world. It's, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not where our battle is. That's, that's not what I'm talking about today. It's the unseen. It's rulers and authorities, principalities and powers of darkness. It's real, but it's defeated. And it's not unknown. The Bible has answers, and that's what we're going to look at today, all right? Um, I think it's, it's true, and Scripture indicates this. Listen, if you're a soldier, how many veterans we have in the house? You've served this country, men or women as a veteran? I get, yeah, thank God. All right? You, as a soldier, you need to know your enemy. Can I tell you, as a Christian, we need to be aware of our enemy? Now, I'm not the kind of pastor that looks for a devil behind every bush. Like, oh, no, I don't see a devil there. You know, there's some people you talk to, they're a little whacked out, and they think, oh, everything's a devil. The devil made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do anything. He's going to try, but he can't make you do anything. All right? So I'm not looking for a devil behind every bush. I'm not saying, oh, well, that, the devil did that, the devil did this. But I want to tell you, this battle is real. And the unbelieving world is going to be captured by it. There's no doubt about it. Because I want to tell you, the devil will win some battles. There's no doubt. You can look at our world. You see the evil in it. He wins some battles, but I want to tell you right now, he has already lost the war. Jesus Christ died on that cross, he rose from the dead, and he defeated the enemy right there. In fact, the Bible says that the cross made, made he, Christ made a public spectacle of the demonic forces. It wasn't like the, God split a doubleheader with the, with the devil, like, oh, he crucified the Son of God, God lost that one, but he rose from the dead. No, God won the doubleheader. When Jesus hung on that cross, he made a public spectacle of demonic forces. And I'm going to talk about it in the last week, what the church's job in that way is. So the battle's already been over. So what Satan does is he moves his attention. He's never going to win against God. He's now going to go after individuals. In fact, we have an example of this in the Old Testament. Turn with me to Job, the book of Job. Some of you know that book. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible. 
When you go to Job chapter two, again, from the New Living Translation, um, one of the names of our enemy, he's called Satan, Lucifer. He's called the ancient serpent. The Bible describes him as a roaring lion. He's also known as the accuser. One of the things that the devil does is he accuses us. He, he comes against us. And that's what he did for Job. In Job chapter two, verse one, here's what it says. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord. And notice this. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Here's another thing about the devil. He's not sitting in some lounge chair somewhere thinking, well, I don't got much to do today. No, he's patrolling. He's like a lion that's on the move, on the prowl, looking to destroy. That's his job, to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he's doing full time. And you know what? He even wants to do it more because he knows his, nears, his time is near the end. Verse three says, then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you urged me to harm him without cause. So this conversation between Satan, who is an angel, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Satan responds, he replied to the Lord, skin for skin. A man will give up everything he has to save his life. But reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. So the accuser, Satan, says, God, you know what? You've defeated me, but I'll tell you right now, this Job, this guy you got that you think is so full of integrity, he's a great man. You let me take his health. You let me take his wealth, his kids, and you see what he does. He's going to curse you. So God responds, all right. Do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. Another point to be taken there is Satan has authority. He's evil, but he does not have all authority. This leads me to my second point. And so I only have two today. God has all authority. All authority. A big part of the supernatural, when we talk about this today, it's about authority, all right? Satan has already lost his battle with God. We're gonna talk about that right now. You say, where did evil come from? You got good and evil, and you know, philosophically, where did all this come from? Well, we're gonna talk about it today because it's not unknown. The Bible's pretty clear about where it came from. In fact, the Bible talks about in Genesis, says in the beginning, before the beginning, even before Adam and Eve, God has always been. God is eternally existent. He's always been. And so God has all authority, not some authority, most authority. No, God is almighty. He has all authority. He has all power. He gives that to his son, Jesus Christ. So any authority we have, I can tell you, it's only in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that Satan had some authority. In fact, you need to know the beginning of, of, of Satan, where he started. He was a created being. He was created. I can tell you right now, the creation never has power over the creator. Satan is a created being. He's not some kind of god or demigod or whatever. No, he is a cre He was an angel. The Bible says he was the song leader of heaven. He was an angel, just like God and his angels. He was one of those angels. He was just like Michael the archangel. He was an angel in heaven. And you say, well, then what happened? Well, 
Let's look to Isaiah, Isaiah 14. There's a really key scripture in your Bible. You should highlight this, you should know this. Isaiah 14 records the beginning of evil and the fall of Lucifer. That was his name, Lucifer. Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 12, okay, there's a law of double reference. He's referring to a king as well, but this is also descriptive in the Bible of where, how Satan became evil and how he lost his place in heaven. Look what it says in verse 12. How are you, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star. He's talking to Lucifer. God says, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, here's where it started, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. That's what Lucifer was saying. I'm tired of being the worship leader. I'm tired of God getting all the glory. I want to be where God is. I want to be high where he is. In fact, I want to be above God. I'm going to put my throne above God's throne. Verse 15, Isaiah says, Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Verse 16, everyone there will stare at you and ask, Can this be the one who shook the earth? and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on its prisoners? See, Satan had authority. Lucifer had authority. He was a, he was a worshiper and song leader in heaven, but he wanted all authority. He wanted to be better than God, bigger than God. And God said, no, your throne's not gonna be above my throne. You're gonna be among the dead. The first recruits that Lucifer captured were other angels. The Bible tells us that he took a third of the angels. It was like the first holy jihad when he fought against God Almighty. The Bible says that God defeated him, which we know would happen, and he cast him out of heaven. And the fallen angels with him, all right? And like I said earlier, Satan is a created being. So here's what I want to say to you. In this supernatural series, you need to mark this down. You and I have no reason to ever fear the devil. I mean no reason. That's one of the things he uses. I can tell you right now, the encounters I've had with a demonic where I've prayed with people, you see it even in the Bible, he wants them to jerk and contort. He wants, them to, he wants to scare you. I'm gonna tell you, there's never a reason to fear the devil. The forces of darkness are real, but they are defeated. Notice, I'm gonna give you another verse, Revelation 12, 9. This is scriptural support of what happened to Satan how he was cast out. Revelation 12, 9, here's another reference to our enemy. He's called the great dragon. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So those angels that fought with him to fight against God, they were cast out of heaven. Jesus refers to this. In Luke, if you're jotting this down, Luke chapter 10, he sends out the, the disciples, 70 of them. They go in, in uh, pairs and they're ministering. They come back, they're all excited. And here's what they say. They say in Luke 10, verse 17, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. They said, man, this is amazing. We're serving you. And when we're serving you, the demons even obey our voice. Here's what God said. There's a balance here. Jude tells us, don't ever make a railing accusation against the devil. Verse 18, Jesus said, yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. 
Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That's something we need to get in our mind and in our heart. We don't have to fear the devil. You don't have to fear the demonic because God, as children of God, we have been given all authority in the name of Jesus Christ. You say, well, where's the manual? Where's the CD? What podcast? No, you don't need a podcast. You need the name of Jesus Christ. That's what you need when you're facing the devil. Verse 20, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Uh, obey you, rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb, registered in heaven, the Lamb's book of life, all right? The forces of darkness are real, but they're defeated. Here's what I want to say to you. Satan has changed his authority. So when God threw Satan out of heaven, his focus became on individuals, all right? You say, well, what happened to those angels? Some of those angels were chained in darkness forever. In fact, Jude tells us that. Jude chapter, it's only one chapter in Jude, verse 6, Jude says, and I remind you of the angels, notice this, who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them. So they're against authority. God has all authority, but these angels that went with Lucifer left that authority they were under, and they went with Satan. The Bible says God gave them, uh, gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. Some of those angels were chained waiting for judgment. Some were set free on the earth to become demonic and to fight for the enemy. So here's the deal. I'm going to tell you, as they're roaming the earth, as they're trying to possess people and things and governments and nations, I want to tell you right now, supernatural forces are real, but they are defeated. There's no second chances. You and I have been saved by grace. I've said all along, I grew up, Jesus Christ to me was a curse word. I didn't know God. Uh, you know, I was a churchgoer. How many know one of our values at GT is not that you're just a churchgoer. It's not just to come and sing songs and hear sermons. God's called you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. God's called you to be a man or woman of God. So a third of the angels are cut loose. And now these demonic forces and even Satan himself, now rather than try to defeat God because he's not going to, he tries to defeat individuals. Some of the first people he talked to were Adam and Eve. Think about it. He's in the garden. What is he? What does the Bible say he is? Cuts down. What does it say? What did he say? He's a serpent. Okay, a snake that's talking. It's not a fairy tale. It's not just some whatever. That is the truth of God's word. So this serpent begins to talk to Adam and Eve. He shows him this piece of fruit. Think of, think of the, the symmetry of what we read in Isaiah. He's saying, man, look at this fruit. God doesn't want you to eat this fruit, Eve and Adam. You know why? Because when you eat it, you're going to be like him. What did Lucifer want to be? He wanted to be like God. In fact, he wanted to be above God. He said, you're going to know the difference between good and evil when you eat this fruit. So go ahead, let's eat that fruit. He added to God's word. He, he was uh, tempting them. He was luring them away. He wanted them to pull themselves out underneath God's authority and put themselves under his authority. And as you know the Bible, they did. They ate that fruit. Before, they had no clothes. Imagine, you know, we're sitting here today in church with clothes. You say, wow, I got these nice clothes, the Gucci, this, the Levi. No, you're wearing clothes because you're a sinner. That give you a new thought about your clothes? Look at this on Facebook. Wow, look where I got this. Yeah, you're only wearing it because you're a sinner. Your, your label shouldn't speak to you. What it should speak to you is that I'm lost and I need God. That's why I'm wearing clothes because the Bible says they were naked and not ashamed. 
All of a sudden, now they talk to the devil, they eat this fruit. Now they're hiding from God. They're, they're, they, 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 were, they were struggling. They knew because God said the day you eat it, you're going to die. So see, Satan's changed his strategy. He's not going to defeat the, the armies of heaven. He's not going to defeat God. He's coming after individuals. He's looking, I'm going to tell you, he's, he's going to come to a theater near you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He wants to do that in my life. He wants to take up real estate. I'm going to talk about that in the last week when I talk about the church. The devil is a squatter. He doesn't have authority. He doesn't belong there. But the thing is, we can't let him there. He tried it with the Son of God. You read Matthew 4. I don't have time to read it. But you read that. You'll read that he tempted Jesus. Jesus has now fasted for 40 days. What does does Lucifer do? What does Satan do? He said, listen, I know you have power. Why don't you take these stones and turn them to bread? It'll be better than the ATV bread on 3rd Street. (laughs) It'll smell good. It'll taste good. He tries to tempt him. Jesus comes against him from the book of Deuteronomy. You go through it. He tries to get him to cast himself down. If you'll just bow down and worship me. Listen, Jesus, look at these kingdoms. He says, look it, I'll give it all to you. All you got to do is bow down to me. He wanted Jesus to move his authority under him. There's no way Jesus Christ is going to do that. Demons are not just fictional characters. They're not just made for horror movies and for Hollywood. No, they are real. But friends, they are defeated. But I want to tell you right now, they're going to go down swinging. They're going to try to win some battles. They're going to try to influence your life. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen like a, a fireman's with their hose? They're going to put a picture up of these firemen. Hold. Have you ever seen a fire hose? I'm not talking about a little red, green hose out there. You're watering your flowers. I'm talking about like a fire hose. Why are there two guys on that hose? It's powerful. I'll tell you, one guy probably couldn't hold that hose. There is such power coming out of that hose. That that hose needs to be under the authority of the fireman. Uh, my dad years ago, when he did, they, they, they would have battles where these guys would shoot each other with that hose. I mean, he can knock your glasses off. It'll mess your hair up. It would even mess my hair up. <laughs> so the, the devil came out of under God's authority. He was a powerful angel, but he came out underneath God's authority. That's what demons do. They cause trouble. They cause heartache. They cause damage in this world. Because they know they've been defeated. The key is, we can't give them any authority. We as children of God, we have the authority of Jesus Christ. That's why the disciples said, listen, even the demons obey us when we speak in your name. Mark 6, 7, the gospel of Mark. And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He gave authority to his disciples to cast out these demonic forces. And you watch them as they did. He said some are harder. You have to do it with prayer and fasting. Okay, he's given, not, God does not only call us, but he empowers us, all right? Second thing is, they, they, they want to have authority to, to hurt those who have a free choice because you have a choice of who you serve. And we can't make more room for the enemy in our life. Here's one thing I want to say. You mark this down. Christians cannot be demon-possessed. They cannot be demon-possessed. I know there's a lot of theology out there today. I'm going to tell you right now, the Assemblies of God, the fellowship that we're a part of, you cannot be demon-possessed and be a Christian. You're either one or the other. Now, can you be influenced? Yes. Can you be discouraged, depressed? Can you be? Yes, you can be. But can you be possessed by the devil? If you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, 
Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Demons are very restless. They're anxious. They always want to be somewhere. They want to fill empty gaps. That's what you read in the Gospels where they, he, when Jesus cast the demons out of that legion, they didn't want to be just out there. They, he cast them into those herd of pigs. And what did they do? Every time you make room for the devil in your life, this is what I used to say before I was a Christian. I thought being a Christian, oh, I'm going to do that when I'm 90. Right now I want to have fun. I'm going to go to church when I'm older. How many ever said that? Okay, wave at me if you said that. Okay, nobody said that. I guess I'm the only sinner here. All right. I just was checking. I didn't know I was talking to perfect people. (laughs) When I get old, that's when I'm going to be a Christian. I want to have fun. Yeah, drinking all night and puking your brains out in the morning. How many know that's fun? The enemy, every gap we leave in our life, the enemy wants to fill it. That's why we need to be full of God. Why do we get you to read the word and memorize the word? Because we want you to be full of God. John 3, 19 talks about, in 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe. But if you don't believe, there's gonna be judgment. Amos says, you better prepare to meet God. I want to tell you right now, Kutztown, West Lawn, online, I don't, if you're hearing my voice right now, I'm going to tell you right now, you better prepare to meet God because one day you're going to meet him. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. That's why I would encourage you, why don't you kneel right now? Why don't you bow right now? Why don't you surrender right now? Because you're either serving God or you're serving the enemy. That's what Ephesians 2 says. All right. I want to tell you right now, you say, well, what's wrong with our country? This is what's wrong with our country. The devil sometimes is wearing a suit. The devil sometimes is a politician. I want to tell you right now, there's a lot of evil in our world. I want to tell you, we're not waiting for 2020. We need to start praying for America right now. And it's far bigger than Democrat, Republican. I can tell you that. There are spiritual forces. The enemy wants to defeat this country. We need to pray for it. I don't have time to go in. Deuteronomy 18, jot that down. That's where the Bible clearly says this. Don't sacrifice your sons and daughters. You know, he says, don't practice fortune telling. Don't do sorcery. Don't interpret omens. Don't engage in witchcraft. Don't cast spells. Function as mediums or psychics. The word says you can't do that. If you're doing that, you're not working with God. You say, well, yeah, but Brian, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not going to go to a psychic. Well, let me ask this. Do you ever make room for the devil in your life? Let me give us a verse who maybe don't go to psychics. Ready? Jot this down. Ephesians 4.27. Ephesians 4.27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Oh, well, anger, that might be a problem. Yeah. When we get angry, that gives a foothold for the devil to take a place in our life. We've got to be careful. All right? I can tell you right now, I had an encounter one time with a man years ago. I'd just become lead pastor. I was over in the Oak Brook Projects. In fact, I was home. Our visiting teams were going out. They visited him. And my dad was on one of the teams. He said, Brian, you ought to come over here. He said, I think we have a big problem. We have a guy in Oak Brook that's demon-possessed. So I got my shirt on. I, I drove over there and met this man. And, in fact, he was demon-possessed. He had gone to Maharishi in India somewhere. And ever since he came back, he was hearing three voices. Three voices. And there was a chain of command. There was the, the 
voice that was the loudest and the voice that was in charge, and I'll never forget as long as I live. I'm standing in that house in Oak Brook Projects, and he says to me, he said, Brian, he said, let me just ask this. He said, can't you stop these voices without me having to accept your American Jesus? And I didn't judge him for that. I didn't, because I, I mean, that's how he's raised. That's what he knows. But he knew these things were evil. He would intoxicate himself every night. He would drink till he'd pass out just to get a break from the voices. And here's what I told him. I said, Saeed, I said, no, I can't. I can't get those voices to stop speaking to you, but I know one who can. But I can't do it without you embracing the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't cast them out. You need to invite him in. He would not do it. I left there brokenhearted, but before I did, we prayed. I said, can we pray with you? And we prayed for about 20 minutes. We prayed, the guys with me prayed, and we prayed God over him. I prayed blessing over him. I prayed that his heart would change, that his heart, heart would be open. And again, I just felt the chills in my life. When we got done praying, I said, so what did you hear while we were praying? He said, I didn't hear the voices when we were praying. Is that a coincidence? Oh, that's weird. That was God's authority in that prayer saying no more voices. But he did not receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you right now, spiritual forces are real, but they're defeated. I'm going to basically close with this. The Bible says we overcome him. Who's him? Satan. We, Revelation 12. We overcome Satan by what? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So we need to be able to share that. I'm going to close with this verse. Here's, I was in John Three, I talked about how God so loved the world and there's judgment. Here's what it says in John chapter 3, verse 21. Here's what it says. It says, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to invite you to in to invite God's light into your life. I know many of you aren't going to fortune tellers and sorcerers. You're not casting spells. I mean, but I want to tell you, let's not even leave a foothold for the devil. The Bible says in Philippians 2.15, listen, we need to live like innocent children of God. And the Bible says when you do that, you won't be criticized, you won't be ridiculed, you'll be bright lights in a dark, crooked, perverse world. So here's what we're going to do. Let's shut them down, Brady. I want to shut down the lights. So if you're moving, you might want to find a seat because it could get hard to walk. Bible says we live in a dark world. But it says as children of God, we're a light. And I'll tell you right now, a light can never be overcome by darkness. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how vast it is. A light always has more power than darkness. I'm not going to shine this in your face. But I can tell you right now, light is more powerful. And Jesus says, listen, you need to come to the light. Sin looks for darkness. Sin looks for, in fact, we don't even want to talk about sin. It's, you know, whatever, they're different. No, we need to be lights in this world and say, God, I want more of your light in my world. I want to be a light in a dark and perverse generation. I'm not going to spew my stuff on Facebook. No, I'm going to live the life. I, you can post the life or live the life. This is more powerful than Instagram. This is just your life being lived. And I'm not saying those things are wrong, and I'm not saying it's wrong to make a post, but I'm saying, you know what, as believers, we need to light the light. Okay?
Here's how we're going to close. I want us all to stand. I felt very distinctly led to do it differently today than I normally do it. But as we're standing today, I want to tell you, when I stand here and preach, I realize every time I preach here, I realize there's only two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. I know there's male and female. I get that. I know some of you were worried. No, I do. I do get that. I, I get that. Wow. Woo. All right. I know there's black. There's white. There's Latino. I know there's all different kinds of people. And I thank God for that. I thank God that GT Church looks like heaven. There was a time when it didn't. And God has blessed our church. But there's two kinds of people. Are you with me? There are those who know God and those who don't know God. And every time I preach, whether it's GT Live, whether it's Kutztown, whether it's here, I know every time I preach, there's only two kinds of people. You either know them or you don't. And here's what I'm asking you to do today. Our value is not to just get churchgoers. Oh, we sang some songs. Oh, we heard a sermon. Oh, we drank some coffee. We shook some hands. No, our whole thing is that you'll be a Christ follower. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're in this room right now, you're online, you can respond the same way. You just hit that hand. Eric's doing it. Cuts down. But I want to just say this. If you're a person and you just feel in your heart, I know that right now, and nobody knows it better than me because my life almost ended in 2015. And if that life, my life would have ended, I can tell you right now, I'd be where Bud Nagel is. I'd be where my wife is. I'd be where every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is. I'd be in heaven right now. And... Yeah, don't clap because, you know, I'm sorry. He left me with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you're not ready to meet God, because you say, oh, you know, I have many years to do that. You don't know that. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. If the Lord wills, you'll have tomorrow. If not, you better be ready. Well, Jesus isn't coming back. I'm not talking about that. Yes, he is, and maybe sooner than you think. But you may be going to him before you realize. Or you may be going somewhere. So here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to even ask you to close your eyes. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm just saying there's two kinds of people. You're either ready to meet God or you're not. And if you know that you're not, you don't understand the gospel. I'm not asking you to be a good person. I'm not saying, oh, my good outweighs my bad. No. You know you've never accepted Christ into your heart. You do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care if it's in the stadium seating or where it is. I want you to come right to the front and meet me right here. First service, we had a man. He walked even more difficult than I did. He had a cane. He made his all himself all the way up here, and he received Jesus Christ into his life. The only way I don't want you to come up here is if you physically can't do it. For that layman in the Bible, they carried him up. So if you need God in your life right now and you know it, I'm asking you to fight that battle. You're under the authority of the enemy. You're saying, devil, I'm done with you. I'm under new management, and I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I want you to join me right here. And I'm going to wait because we have some time. Look at your watch. I got eight minutes. <laughs> I don't got my watch on, but I got the red clock ticking. I'm going to wait. Because I'm telling you right now, what we're talking about now, listen to me. 2,000 years from now, this is going to matter. It's going to matter. If you know him, that's wonderful. If you don't, you need to make it. That's it. God bless you. God bless you, dear. Thank you so much. God loves you. God loves you. You're in a safe place. 
Thank you for walking up here. That's awesome. What's your name, dear? Do you mind? Dulce? Wow, what a beautiful name. Who's going to join Dulce? What a beautiful name. Do you know what that name means? What's the meaning of that name? Sweet. Wow, do you know she's a sweet gal? Do you know that? What a sweet name, Dulce. But Dulce knows she needs Jesus. Who's going to come? I feel like there's others who need to come. Just going to be patient. We're going to wait on God. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on. God bless you. What's your name? Erica. Welcome, Erica. Wow. Is there anybody else? not being hokey or weird. We're just being patient because I'm telling you, 2,000 years from now, this is going to matter for Erica and for Dulce. And it's going to matter if you reject it. Anybody else? All right. I need some people on the prayer team to come, some of our staff, just to stand with these wonderful ladies as they surrender their life to God. I'm going to pray a prayer, a very simple prayer. But as we prayed, I want us all to pray with them, with Erica and Dulce. I want us to lift our voice because it isn't going to hurt you. Trust me. You say, well, I'm already saved. That's all right. Just pray it out loud again. But I'm going to invite you to come. Thank you. Let me thank you. It's not too late. If you want to come, you can come. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. God, I ask you today to forgive me. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that you rose him from the dead. I receive that in my heart. I confess that with my mouth and I believe it really happened. Take my sin today. Help me to know you. Make heaven my home forever. I receive you as my Lord. You are the new authority over my life. And I want to serve you all of my days. In your wonderful name, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Can we give it up for these ladies? Thank God for that. And maybe this guy too. What is your name, man? David. David gave his heart to Jesus too. Now here's what I want us to do. You guys stay here. Just stay right here. Uh, I want our Connect team uh, to bring these down. Uh, make sure, because what we're going to give you guys today as we leave, there's just a little book. It's called Next Steps. Listen, what I want to say to all three of you, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. This is the beginning of a new life, new journey. Are there still going to be battles? You better believe it. There's going to be battles. But I want to tell you, the war has been won in your life today. And heaven's going to be your home. And there's a little white card in there. If you just fill that out and, and leave that with us, we're not going to hawk you and, you know, follow you and whatever. We're here to serve you. If there's anything we can do for you, if you need a Bible, you just take this white card, you take it back to the hub, give it to somebody with an orange shirt. And if you're wearing an orange shirt and they give it to you, you know what to do with it. But just leave us your name so we can pray for you because it's been a great thing today. 
that God has done in your life. Maritza, can you come? Let's, can we, Matt, come. We're just gonna pray. We're gonna pray one more time. God, I thank you today. I thank you for these dear folks that have responded to your word. And God, I thank you that thousands of years from today, this is gonna matter. That God, you're gonna let David and Erica and Dulce, Lord, let heaven be their home forever. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for your grace in all of our lives. Thank you, God, that all of our lives have been changed by your power. And yes, we've got battles to fight, God, but you've won it all, God. You've won the war. They are defeated and we're gonna serve you, God. So I pray your blessing on these today. I pray that they'll take the next steps of just growing in Christ and becoming all that Jesus wants them to be. We thank you and we give you praise in the mighty and strong name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. As they fill out these cards, hey, Dan's gonna lead us. We're gonna talk about, sing about, fight our battles. So God bless you. Thank you guys again. Make sure you fill it out and leave it for us. God bless.